0: What a great reminder of what we as the family of God are called to do. God wants us to be individuals who are in the battle, not on the sidelines, but in the battle. Um, I've never been a soldier, haven't had that privilege, but I know that when soldiers are called to the task and then for some reason a soldier, one of the part of the team is left on the sidelines it tears them up on the inside. Wouldn't that be great if that, the way, that was the way it was for the church of God? We're, we're all in the battle. We're, we're fighting this war. Because, you know what, this is not just an imagery that we talk about. This is real. We are in a battle. And God has called us to fight the fight, fight the good fight, as he said to young Timothy, Um, and, and to be in the battle. We're going to talk about that as we get into our service. But this song is just a great reminder that God is at work in us and through us, and it's because of the work that Christ did on the cross of Calvary that puts us in the battle. So if you're a believer today, you're here and you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, you don't want to be on the sidelines. You want to be involved In The battle so this morning we're going to do two things. Okay, we're going to continue our study in the book of Philippians But we're also going to focus our attention on Memorial Day because it is Memorial Day weekend Um, Let me ask you a question and go ahead. Feel free to shout out an answer. What comes to your mind when you think of Memorial Day? Soldiers Flags honoring our fallen heroes what else celebrating the of, uh, Christ. okay celebrating deaths levi okay um, uh, celebrating those who have died and honoring those who are alive anything else Those are all good ideas. Cindy. Freedom. Yeah. Sacrifice. Sacrifice. That phrase comes to mind. um, All gave some. Some gave all. Yeah. Liberty. Okay. Very good. Peace. That's our aim, right? We want to have peace in the land in which we live. So, good ideas that come to mind. When I was in high school, Memorial Day weekend was the weekend anyone who was anyone went out to uh, Barnhart Island and there was a big, what they called Memorial Day party. I never went to those. I never, I mean, I got invited a few times, but when people began to realize who I was and what I stood for, I never got invited to those things. And it didn't bother me at all. One thing I knew was true about Memorial Day weekend for me, I was working that weekend. Because everybody else that was in high school that worked the weekends at Phase Drugs where I worked was out at the party and they weren't fit to work because they were doing things they shouldn't have been doing. So I began to pray. And maybe that's why we had a Memorial Day weekend like we have this weekend. I began to pray for rain and nasty weather on Memorial Day weekend, so that wouldn't happen. Um, it's a delayed answer to prayer, I guess, because that's what we got this weekend. But anyway, um, we just uh, thank the Lord for the freedoms and the opportunity that we have to celebrate in this great country that God has placed us. Not everybody celebrates Memorial Day weekend. You know, there's that joke about, um, did you have 4th of July in? South Africa. We absolutely did. It came between the third and the fifth. (laughs) But you know what? We didn't do a lot of celebrating outside of our family because nobody else in the country had the privilege of being an American celebrating the freedoms that we have in our great country. So there are people around the world and there are people watching us today probably that don't really get into celebrating Memorial Day because it's not their holiday and that's okay. Don't tune us out because we're still going to be looking at things that will help you in your walk with the Lord. But, but here you go. As we think about Memorial Day, there's several things that pop into our minds. I wrote down several things uh, that I found on a, a website called Memorial Day by the Numbers. It's actually put out by WalletHub.com. Here's some statistics that might uh, kind of set your mind for what happens over Memorial Day weekend. 46 million veterans have served our country in wartime. 46 million, that's a lot of people. 15 million is the projected number of living wartime veterans in 2021. So of those 46 million, 15 are alive today, um, having served our great country. 651,031 members of the military have died in battle. That's according to the uh, Veterans Administration. Another 308,800 died in the military theater of war, but not in combat. Now, when I saw that number 651,000, I thought, man, that seems low. So I went on to do some more research, and for whatever reason, the Veterans Administration chose to settle on the number 651,000. But most people consider that to be a very low number as well because it only takes into account, get this, and this is why they think it's low, 214,938 total combat deaths in the Civil War. That is extremely low. Many counts of historians put the dead from the Civil War anywhere from 620,000 to 850,000. There's even some that say a million soldiers died in the Civil War. So that could easily double the number of people who died for the cause of our country and battling for the freedoms that we so greatly enjoy in our, in our land today. There are 260,000 graves at Arlington National Cemetery and they will be adorned with American flags on Memorial Day weekend in honor of those who gave their life. And many of those, we don't even know their names. The Tomb of the Unknown Soldier represents many people who we don't know that willingly laid down their lives so that we might continue to enjoy the freedoms that we have as Americans. This might fit into your your scheme of things this weekend. Fifty-six percent of Americans plan to barbecue over Memorial Day weekend. My chicken is already in the marinade in the fridge. Okay? Speedies and sausages tomorrow at our house on the barbecue. That's what we're planning on doing. Ninety-five percent of companies will close their offices on Memorial Day in honor of Memorial Day and the veterans who gave their lives for our for the for our freedoms. 95%. Wow. Here's one that might make you say, oh. Average price for a gallon of gas in 2021 is $2.97. One year ago, $1.84. So if you're planning on traveling. Be be prepared to put extra money in the gas tank because that's just the way it's going to be this Memorial Day weekend. But, hey, we have the freedom and the ability to travel this weekend. Isn't that a good thing? Um, So we praise the Lord for that. WalletHub.com makes these comments about Memorial Day on their website. It says, Memorial Day is more than just a day off from work or school, an excellent occasion for a backyard barbecue or a chance to travel those things do speak to the holiday's true spirit, but above all else, Memorial Day honors Americans who have died in service to their country. This holiday is not one for, is not one for somber reflection, however. We instead choose to celebrate Memorial Day by enjoying the many freedoms that American servicemen and women have perished protecting. They include fundamental rights such as freedom of speech, trial by jury, and protection against cruel and unusual punishment. And we could go on with the freedoms that we enjoy. But we only enjoy them because people fought for them on our behalf. It's safe to think and right to believe that Memorial Day is all about remembering our men and women in our military that gave the greatest sacrifice one could give. They laid down their lives protecting the freedoms and liberties we all hold near and dear to our hearts as Americans. That's important for us. One of the freedoms that we enjoy, and people have died for is the freedom to gather, the freedom of religion, the freedom to meet here on a Sunday morning and a Sunday night, and any other time we choose to do so, and to teach and preach God's word. That's another freedom that sometimes we take for granted that not everybody in the world enjoys. So praise God for that freedom that we have here in our country. There's a great song that I would like to play for you this morning that will help sharpen our focus as we open God's Word together. It's a song called Freedom's Never Free. Uh, it's not a new song. It's a song that uh, was sung by Phillips, Craig, and Dean, uh, a group of pastors. And so give a listen to this song as we set our minds' attention on celebrating the soldiers. Whoa. <laughs> Yeah. Pretty good reminder of the fact that freedom, whether it's freedom here in America to do the things that we enjoy doing, or if it's freedom from sin that Christ provided for us on the cross of Calvary, freedom is never free. As we get started this morning, let me state this. America is a great country. I don't think that anybody here this morning would debate that or disagree with that. Um, it's a great country. In fact, probably the greatest country ever. And we would all agree that it's the best place to live unless God has called you someplace else to live and to serve Him. Um, you all know that we lived in South Africa for uh, 16 years. And that's because that's where God called us to live and to serve him. And we loved it while we were there. But you know what? We still loved our country back here in America. We still celebrated all the American holidays. Um, and we enjoyed um, getting mail and information and things from uh, our family members around those American holidays. Because it just reminded us uh, that in a very real sense, even though we were living in another country, our, our homeland was still in America. And as Christians, you know what? Same is true for us. Even though we're living in America or someplace else in this world, our home is still not here. Our home is in heaven. And that's where God, uh, we're, we're aliens and we're strangers in this world. And sometimes we don't feel at home here. But that's okay because our home really isn't here. There were times when we didn't feel at home in South Africa. Believe me, every time I had to walk into home affairs office, I didn't feel at home. Okay, Because I knew that they were going to go over my paperwork and they were going to do this and they were going to do that and they were going to say, no, you don't have enough. You got to come back again. So yeah, there's times when even in the place we live and we, we call it home, we may not feel at home there because our home really isn't there. Especially as Christians, our home is not here. Our home is in heaven. But you know what? While we're here... We need to be serving. We need to be honoring the Lord with the life that we live. Now, I need to mention something here, uh, and I'm not going to at all get political, okay? That's not my intention here this morning, to get political. But I do need to uh, mention something that has kind of reared its head in our country here in America. It's something that's called Christian Nationalism. And Christian nationalism is the belief that, and promulgating the idea that America as a nation has a favored status in God's eye. And unfortunately, that's kind of running rampant in our world right now. That's not really true. We don't find America in this book, Okay. So we need to make sure that as we live out our Christianity in this great country, we don't assume things that are not necessarily true from a biblical perspective. The Christian nationalist has the idea that God has called the USA to be a blessed nation. Now God has blessed our nation in a very real way, but the only nation that God has called to be a blessed nation is the nation of Israel. And can I tell you this this morning, the nation of Israel is not done and over with. God still has a plan for that nation. God still is working through that nation. Yes, he set them aside for a time, but America has not taken the place of Israel. That never was, never is God's intention, and you cannot support it from the pages of Scripture. Um, Christian nationalism believes that the solution to the problems of America, and we would all agree we have problems in our country today, right, The problems of America, Christian nationalists would say, the solution to that is electing the right people and putting into office people who will be Christians. In a very real sense, though, for a Christian nationalist, the idea of politics has become the idol to that group of people. As followers of Jesus Christ, we must remember Christianity is not an American-only religion. Christianity unites us with Christ followers from around the world. And I can tell you there's no better thing than to walk into a room full of international people and have them talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ and the work of Jesus Christ around the world. What God is doing in their countries What a blessing that is. It's not just for Americans. Yes, we have the privilege and the heritage of being Americans, but we can't expect that that's going to be ongoing for the rest of the history or the future of America because it may very well not be. Okay. Um and I'm not saying at all that patriotism is wrong or it's a bad thing. I think patriotism or love of country is a great thing. I'm a very patriotic person. I have a flag flying in my front yard and it's there all year long. I have a green light hang outside my door remembering the troops. I I love patriotism and I and, and for me one of the and it's probably just because I love sports, but one of the most patriotic moments I can remember is when the uh, Amer- the U.S. hockey team beat the Russians. Oh, man, that was great. The miracle on ice. You, you know, we just loved it because we beat the Russians. That's the patriotism running through our veins, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, but let us remember that just because we're, we're Americans doesn't mean that God has um, called us to be a unique, special um, nation that is inherited the position that Israel has actually rightfully been called to. Um, I also want you to know that the gospel as the solution to our problem the gospel is the solution to our problem, not politics. Okay? If you and I were busy telling people about the love of Jesus Christ and seeing individuals come to know Jesus Christ as our Savior and seeing individuals' lives changed, that would make the biggest difference regardless of who sits in the White House or who sits in the, the office of the governor's mansions around our country. The gospel is makes a difference. John MacArthur made this comment. He said, Americans' moral decline is a spiritual problem, not a political problem, and its solution is the gospel, not partisan politics. It's just another reminder that as Christians, our authority must be the word of God. It must be this book that God has handed down to us and preserved through the nation or through the times of history. It's not the words or the philosophies of man. It's the word of God that is our authority. So all that aside now, having kind of cleared the stage, if you will, um, we're going to talk about Memorial Day and soldiers, and how they have made the best life possible for us, regardless of where we live. This morning, I have a living, breathing object lesson for you, an illustration, if you will. The song we played as we started the sermon this morning reminded us of those men and women who have given their lives, defending our freedoms, and the values that we hold dear to us as Americans Those men and women are soldiers. They wear the uniform of the United States of America. They are, if you will, defenders of our freedom. And the Bible speaks about soldiers on, on more than one occasion. Here's just one verse that we want to consider this morning when we think about soldiers. In Second Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, Paul wrote these words. He said, No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Military personnel are those that protect our freedoms that that they've sworn to defend. Okay? Let me introduce you to my living illustration. Private first class, Micah Mowers. And While we're at it, can I have all our military people stand? Those who have served in the military in days gone by, would you please stand? Thank you for serving. You may be seated. Uh, Can somebody run us up a mic here, please? It's right there on the seat, I've asked Micah to just uh, spend a little bit of time talking to us, reminding us what a soldier is all about and what the uniform and the gear that he's wearing uh, concerns the soldier. All right. I'm going to take my pack off. How much does that weigh,
1: by the way? Right now, not very much. Normally, so... We'll get to that in a second. Um, What I have on me right now would be considered... Almost full kit. If I take my helmet out, then I would have full kit. So my MOS, military, job um, is 19 Delta Cavalry Scout. So basically what my job is is to go and do reconnaissance, watch the enemy, give the infantry intel, and then they can go and do what they want. Um, Or I can just call in an airstrike or... Artillery and blow things up. So that's my job. Uh, It is a combat MOS So we have to wear our kit when we are doing our job. So I have on me I have a plate carrier. Uh, This is my own personal stuff. I don't wear I don't like the issued gear It's very uncomfortable very heavy Um, So this is my issued gear. This is a plate carrier. It's got uh, Bulletproof armor in it. It's got my mag pouches on it. I also have a belt that has more mag pouches and some storage areas. Um, and I'm also missing... So this is my helmet. But I'm missing one more piece of equipment. Does anybody know what that would be? My rifle, my weapon. Don't worry. I have a treat for you. <clears throat> Not quite as lethal, but very painful. <laughs> um, so yeah, we would carry a, a weapon with us. Uh, an M4, or some people would have a 240 Bravo. That's a machine gun. Um, if you have a machine gun, you're going to have a sidearm, which is an M9 or a P320. Um, so yeah, basically, um, and then we would also carry an assault pack um, or a rucksack. This, this is an assault pack. A rucksack is bigger. Um, this would have stuff in it, like uh, if it's getting colder, we've got like a beanie to put on. Um, if it's raining, we have our wet weather. Uh, we'd also carry our food with us, so we've got MREs. Um, cheese tortellini is the bomb. Um, I only steal the good ones. we got pizza slices. Those are good. And um, also chicken, or sorry, not chicken, uh, chili mac, also another good one. And then we'd also have, like, our sleeping stuff. So, like, I carry a hammock with me. um, And then, like, our hygiene kit to shave and and stay nice and clean. And then we'd also have, like, some extra tools, like a knife maybe. Um, But, yeah, so... To do my job, I've got my plate carrier, which keeps me safe. It's got all my identification, so no known drug allergies, my blood type, my flag, my rank, my name. Um, On the back, I've got my water, so I've got a camelback so that I can stay hydrated because obviously if you're rucking through the mountains of Afghanistan, you're going to get tired, you're going to get thirsty, and if you don't take care of yourself, you're going to have a bad day. Um, I've got some really nice boots on. Um, They're really nice. I've got gloves to protect my hands, you know, if I'm shooting or working with uh, injured people or whatever. Um, we, always, we always have to have uh, pen and paper on us to take notes, to uh, do intel. So we've got a notebook, and then I've got a pen over here. So we're very well prepared to handle a wide array of things, um, and it's very dependent on our gear. If I took all this stuff off, I'd be, very, I'd be at a disadvantage. Not that I wouldn't be able to do certain things, but it's very helpful. Um, I like to use my own equipment because I trust it more than the issued stuff that's gone through 10,000 people, and I have no idea how well it's been kept up. Um, it's also heavy, more cumbersome. You can't move as quickly. So, yeah, that is, if I was going to go overseas, um, I've also got my med kit here, um, and I've got a tourniquet here, and I would also have more tourniquets in my, my kit or in my salt bag. Um, so, yeah, that is, that's my gear. That's my equipment. Um, I like it I, I think it 's super fun uh, to get to do this stuff so but yeah that's that 's my stuff.
0: Back on. Um, there, there are people currently defending our freedom, and we need to be thankful for them as well. So our focus, though, is not on the American soldier this morning. Our focus is on the next line in that song that says, On a hillside just outside the city gates, the battle lines were drawn as soldiers took their place. The Father, that's the Heavenly Father, watched in silence as the cross was raised. With freedom drawing closer, he took his final breath. He drank our cup of guilt and took the sting from death. Heaven's finest soldier, clothed in human flesh. What are we talking about here this morning? Who are we talking about? We're talking about our Deliverer, Jesus Christ, our deliverer sets an example worth following for those of us who are in the battle, those of us who are fighting in the Lord's army. Remember the song you used to sing as children I in the Lord's army? Um, it was a great reminder, uh, and not just a fun song to sing, but it was a reminder that yes, we are in a war. We are in a battle. And as a soldier in a battle, you can never let your guard down. You must always be alert. You must always be, in fact, what does Peter say? That we need to be on our guard because the adversary, the devil, is walking about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Why do we have hope? Why do we, as those who are in the battle of Christianity, of serving our great God. Why do we have hope? Well, it's because of the passage of Scripture that we want to study this morning in the book of Philippians. Would you stand together with me as we read Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11? Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11. It's the next section in Philippians that we will be studying, uh, and it falls right along, along with where we left off last week in our study of the book of Philippians. Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Read with me, please. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and we thank you for the opportunity we have to be here today to worship you. We've done that by singing songs that remind us of the the country that we live in and those who have given their lives for our freedom. We've done that by even singing a song that reminds us that as the church of God, we must arise and we must be prepared to do battle in this world that is not a friend to grace. But Father, we are so thankful and most thankful for uh, heaven's finest soldier, Jesus Christ, your son, whom you sent To this world, to make the battle possible, to to make the victory real in our lives. Jesus Christ hung on that cross and he uttered those words, it is finished. And what was finished was Satan's stranglehold over mankind. When Jesus died on the cross and rose again, he secured for us freedoms that are so much more important than the freedoms that we enjoy as Americans. He, enjoy, he secured for us freedom of life, everlasting life in your presence, a place called heaven, instead of death in a place called hell. Father, he has given us the freedom to live for you, to honor you, to serve you, to live for you. And so we say thank you. To our Savior Jesus Christ. And we say thank you to you. For the plan that you had. That would bring reconciliation. And victory over Satan. Over sin. And over the, the, the battle that he wages against us. And we thank you in the name of. That great soldier Jesus Christ. In whose name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So our deliverer. Jesus Christ He sets an example for us that is very much worth following. What is the example that we see? Well, we see it right here first off in verse 5. We see the attitude of Christ. And Paul challenges us with this verse. He says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You and I, as soldiers in the battle of Christ, in the army of God, we must have the mind of Christ. What does that word mind mean? Well, that word mind means the attitude. In fact, the the New American Standard, the word mind is translated as attitude. It's the same word that Paul used back in verse two when he said to the Philippians, Fulfill ye my joy by being like minded, by having the same mind. What's the mind that Paul is talking about? He's talking about the mind of Christ. Fulfill ye my joy by being like minded. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Paul uses the idea of challenging individuals to think the way Christ thinks. We want to make others more important than self. That's the attitude of Christ. Christ had this mind of looking out for others before he looked out for himself. That's why he left heaven. That's why he left glory. He left the Father's throne and he came to earth. Why? Because you and I, Mankind was in his heart and on his mind. He knew the only way to reconcile us as lost sinners to God himself was to leave glory, leave heaven, come to earth, be born as a babe in a manger, live a perfect life, die on the cross of Calvary, and then be raised from the dead by his Father. Oh, we were on his mind. He was thinking of us. How much was he thinking of us? And, and you know, when we, sometimes we have a difficult task that we have to do, and we realize that it must be done, but, you know, we don't necessarily enjoy doing it, right? I don't know, maybe I shouldn't tell this, but um, our oven needs to be cleaned. And we have, we have a self-cleaning feature on the oven, But you know when a self-cleaning oven is used, you have to lock the door and you turn the oven on, self-cleaning. And it gets up to like 500 degrees at least. The reason we haven't done that is because our dog goes nuts. At 425 degrees, that's the max for our dog. Once it gets hotter than that, she starts pacing back and forth and she starts and she wants to jump up on your lap, and she's not a tiny dog, but she wants to jump up on your lap, and that's not where she's supposed to be. Um, She wants to go outside, but she doesn't want to stay outside. She wants to come back in. She starts looking around, and she's just trying to figure out what is going on that's not right. So we know that we have to do that, and we're probably actually going to get some you know, oven cleaner or put some vinegar in there. We just haven't done it yet, okay? But it's because doing it the old-fashioned way is not fun, and it's not easy. And it stinks, to be quite honest with you. So we haven't done it yet. At some point, it's going to get to the point where, you know, we're just going to do it. Okay? But here you go. Uh, we're looking out for the well-being of our dog because she just goes nuts. You and I, when we are in the army, when we are in the battle of Christ, we're having the mind of Christ, we need to make others more important than ourselves. Paul said it this way, let each esteem others better than himself. I really like the way it's translated in the ESV, the English Standard Version. It says, in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. In humility. Count others as more significant, more important, more worthwhile than yourself. Now, I know that's a tough ask, isn't it? Our culture has taught us to be more concerned about me, about number one, about myself, not other people. Culture says you need to look out for you. What is the thing that we hear so often today? I have rights. It's My rights. What about me? I'm most important. Well, no, we're not. We're supposed to, if we're doing what Paul says, if we're having the mind of Christ, we're supposed to be looking out for others rather than self. And Paul gives us the key here to that. He says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit or through strife or vain glory. Here's some keys for us to take away this morning about the mind of Christ. Paul opens up the door for us using these keys, if you will. He says, first of all, this this idea of having the mind of Christ, of putting others first, is an ongoing process. In the Greek where it says, let this mind be in you, um, we have the idea that this is not a one-time thing. It's something that we have to continually do. We do it day in and day out, over and over again. A better understanding or a proper understanding of that would be this. Keep thinking that this way among yourselves. Have the same attitude that Jesus has. Keep thinking. Don't just do it once, but make sure you continue to do it all the time. should become a way of life for, you, for us. Homer Kent makes a great comment when he says, Believers, of course, cannot duplicate the precise ministry of Jesus... We would agree with that, right? We we can't, and we're gr- grateful that we don't have to die on the cross for others. Um, we can't duplicate the precise ministry of Jesus, but they can display the same attitude. The same attitude that Jesus had of putting others first, as should be found in us as the followers of Jesus Christ. We also find another key is that there's an obstacle to the process. Now, one thing about being successful is you try to look down and look ahead and figure out what might prevent you from being successful. What might stop you from being uh, effective and carrying out your responsibilities? Well, the obstacle that we see in, in this whole having the mind of Christ thing is, our, is the fact that we have to be humble. Humility. Humility is hard. Humility is tough. And sometimes, especially when God has gifted us in certain things and has given us the ability to be really good at particular things, it's hard to remember to be humble. But you know what? We need to remember that it's come from God. The the ability, the gifts that we have, uh, the strengths that we have, they all come from God. But Paul reminds us that we need to follow the example of Jesus. Now, stop and think about this for a minute with me. Who is Jesus? Go ahead, tell me. Who is Jesus? Son of God. Okay, we can stop right there, right? Because there's nobody that can top that. There's nothing that is better than being the Son of God. Jesus is as good as it gets. Jesus is the best. And yet Jesus practiced humility. Jesus humbled himself. It would be safe for us to think that Jesus is the greatest man that ever walked on this planet. But he still humbled himself. We'll clearly see that as we work our way through the text over the next couple of verses. In the verses that follow, we see the mindset of Jesus. And first of all, we see Jesus' authenticity or the authenticity of Jesus Christ. And the next section brings home the magnificence of who Jesus is and the magnitude of what he did. The magnificence of who he is and the magnitude of what he did. First of all, we see the essence of Jesus the essence. He's the very form of God. His choice of words here, Paul's choice of words here is important because he chose a word that means the unchanging character of something or someone, not just an external likeness, okay? You might look at somebody and say, boy, that person looks just like so-and-so, or that person is a spinning image of so-and-so. But that's an external image. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're the same on the inside as the as the person as the person that people say you resemble. So Paul is in essence saying Jesus is deity from the inside out. Jesus is every bit as much God as God the Father is and as the Holy Spirit is. So we see Jesus' essence is significant. It's important that Jesus, God, humbled himself. We also see that in his authenticity that Jesus is equal to the Father. The text here says Jesus did not think it robbery to be equal with God. That word robbery, it meant something that one would cling tenaciously to. You hold on tight to it. You're not going to let it go. You're going to grasp it and you're going to hold it tight. Um, when I was thinking about this and preparing this, um, the idea, now don't take this in the wrong way, the idea of the NRA came to mind. The NRA used to have a slogan or it had a bumper sticker that said, they'll take away my gun when they pry my cold dead fingers from around the barrel of it. Okay. That's the idea of holding tenaciously on to something. We should have the same thought about our relationship with God. They will take away my testimony, my walk with God, when they put me in the casket. God calls me home to be with him. We, we hold tenaciously onto it. Jesus didn't think it was robbery, didn't think it was wrong to tenaciously hold to his deity. But he humbled himself made himself a bondservant. So Jesus, let's never forget, and I don't think we have this problem, but Jesus is equal to the Father. Jesus also embraces humanity. Jesus embraces humanity. We need to remember that his humanity, um, he came to his creation. He came to this world as a human being. He took on flesh. He came to the earth so he could reconcile lost mankind to his Father. That was the reason. That was the only reason Jesus came to earth as a babe uh, in a manger, so that he could die on the cross and reconcile Christ to himself, reconcile man to himself. Johnny Johnny Mac, as they call him, says this: Though Christ had all the rights and privileges and honors of deity, which he was worthy of and could never be disqualified from. His attitude was not to cling to those things or his position, but to be willing to give them up for a, a, a season. And can we add to that, not just for a season, but for a reason? There was purpose in Jesus' coming, and that purpose was to do the will of the Father, Jesus, he said it himself, my meat, my purpose, my desire is to do the will of my father. So let's take a look at what Jesus did for mankind or Jesus's actions, if you will. We saw the authenticity of Jesus, but let's look at his actions as well. When you really want to know what a person is like, what do you do? You look at what they do. You don't just listen to what they say, right? Because people can say a lot of things. But what really bears out who they are is what they do. So we want to look at what Jesus did. You heard the old saying, actions speak louder than words. Jesus put his actions into play. Jesus didn't just say that he loved us, but he actually demonstrated his love. In the text here this morning in Philippians chapter 2, Paul says that Jesus made himself of no reputation. No reputation. The literal rendering of this phrase is, Himself he emptied. Emptied everything he had. We're not going to have a lengthy discussion this morning on the kenosis of Christ. We, we don't have the time for that. Um, but let me summarize it this way. Paul is not saying that Jesus emptied himself of his godhood. Nor does it mean that he exchanged his godhood for humanity. A better way to understand this verse is to say that Jesus voluntarily laid aside certain things during his earthly ministry. What a great sacrifice for mankind. Jesus voluntarily laying aside the ability to use some of his divine attributes. And you know what? He himself said, I lay them down so that I may take them up again. Nobody took them away from him. He, he put them aside so that he could fulfill his call and his ministry to mankind. He made himself of no reputation. He also entered into a unique relationship. Jesus became the God-man. 100% God and 100% man. It wasn't like when God, when Jesus was born, he was 50% man and 50% God. He was 100% God and 100% man. We call that, if Mark was here, he'd tell us, we call that the hypostatic union, okay? That's a big, fancy theological term, um, and I don't expect that you will remember it, but it is kind of funny when it comes up in conversations and believe it, it came up in a conversation at our deacons meeting. Um, so the whole idea of this hypostatic union, he's the union of undiminished deity and perfect humanity forever in one person. That's Jesus Christ. Paul clearly states the actions, the action steps that Jesus embarked upon. First of all, Paul says he accepted the role of a bondservant. He says it this way He took upon him the form of a servant. Paul uses that same word um, form here as he did when he said Jesus was the form of God. Again, it's a word that means the very same in essence. As he is God from the inside out, so he is man uh, and the servant in the complete form of a servant from the inside out. Jesus, the creator of the universe, takes on servanthood for mankind. <coughs> Excuse me, he accepted the role of a bond servant. He also, according to Paul, coming in the likeness of man, he arrived in the same way that Humans, every other human has arrived on the planet. He came as a babe born in a manger. Now, not, not, not very many of us are born in a manger, but we're all, we all start this world the same way. Born of a woman. Okay, Jesus was born of a woman. Jesus completely identified because he came in human flesh. He could identify with you and I in every way. He experienced the same weaknesses in his body that you and I experienced. You say, well, pastor, what do you mean weaknesses? Well, Jesus got hungry. Remember when he was out in the boat with his disciples and the storm was raging? Where was Jesus? Sleeping. Why? Because he was tired. He was hungry. He got hungry. Just like you and I, get hungry. Jesus got hungry. Jesus got emotionally spent. That's why in John 11, it says, Jesus wept. He experienced the similar emotions that you and I experience. He was thirsty. He needed to have sustenance. Micah told us that they get MREs, meals ready to eat, because the, the, as, as a soldier, you need to keep yourself strong. You can't stay strong if you don't eat. He has a big water pack that he carries around on his back. Why? Because he needs to be hydrated. Jesus himself experienced the need to have food and the need to, be, uh, the need to drink water because he was thirsty. He came in the likeness of men. And yet all the while, he was still God. Paul goes on to say he was found in the appearance of a man. This is talking about Jesus' physical, earthly description. Jesus looked and acted like a man with the exception of sin. He did not sin and, in fact, could not sin because he's God and God cannot sin. But if you were to walk down the street and walk by Jesus, you would say, hey, there goes another guy. He wouldn't Just by his appearance, he didn't stand out. He looked like a man. He lived life like a man with the exception of sin. We also see that Jesus had certain actions that we're going to call reproducible actions. And why are they reproducible? Because you and I should reproduce these actions in our lives. First of all, Paul says, Jesus humbled himself. He humbled himself. Now, we're not talking about just the incarnation, which was humbling enough, but we're talking about the servant role, and we're talking about even as a servant, he humbled himself to the point of giving up what most people would consider a basic human right. Gave up his life on the cross of Calvary. But before he gave up his life, what happened to Jesus? He was mocked. He was belittled. He was persecuted. All things that, hey, nobody's raising their hand saying, I'm, I'll step up for that. I'll, I'll do that. Let me, let, let me take that on. None of us want to be mocked. None of us want to be persecuted. Nobody want to be made fun of. But Jesus, all of those things happened in his life, and he humbled himself to the point where he willingly allowed those things to happen to himself. And you know what? That's something that you and I can reproduce. You and I can also be humble. We also will maybe at some point have to suffer persecution. Again, not, we're not saying bring it on. We're not saying, come on, make it happen sooner rather than later. Most of us would like to go to heaven without having ever been persecuted. Wouldn't that be great? In some ways, maybe. But you know what? If it comes our way, God will give us the ability to do that. But it has to be from a humble heart that we are willing to suffer that kind of persecution. We also see that Jesus honored God's plan. He became obedient to death. Jesus was completely obedient and submissive to God's plan for his life, even obedient to giving up his life on the cross of Calvary, fulfilling God's plan from eternity past. God knew that he would send his son Jesus to die on the cross even before creation came out of his mouth, even before mankind physically inhabited the planet. God knew that his plan was to send his son to die on the cross of Calvary, and Jesus honored that plan. And then we, we, lastly, we see he was hanged on a tree. He died in our place. He died a criminal's death. And you know what? As children of God, we may be called to that someday, to die for others. It's part of being a soldier. When a soldier goes off to the battlefield, he understands he may not come home. He may be asked to give the ultimate gift, the ultimate sacrifice. Jesus, when he came to earth and he took on human flesh, he knew what his father expected from him that he would give it all up on the cross of Calvary. So Jesus is the one who delivers us from our sin. He delivers us from death. And he set an amazing example for us as he did that. Now, let's move on as we need to wrap things up this morning and talk about the duties of the soldier of Christ. The song says, And for the price he paid, I'm forever in his debt. The cross will never die because I will not forget. I will stand and hold my head up high. I will dedicate my life to the glory of the one who had to die. I will live live what I believe if for no one else but but me to remember that freedom's never free. I will dedicate my life to the glory of the one who had to die. You see, Paul tells us that after all that Christ went through in order to secure salvation for mankind, God the Father exalted him. God the Father lifted him up to the place where he belongs, to his rightful place. God gave him a name above all names, a name that at which every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God. But you know what? As believers, we have the duty while we're still here on earth to be a soldier enlisted in the army of Jesus Christ. We started our sermon this morning with a with a verse from the apostle Paul to young Timothy. He said, "No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him." But let's back up to verse 3 of that of that Text in 2 Timothy chapter 2, where Paul writes this You, therefore, Timothy, you as a soldier of Jesus Christ must endure hardship. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself in the affairs of this life because he needs to please the one who enlisted him as a soldier. There's two things that we need to remember from the life of the soldier. Paul says, You must first of all endure hardship. Paul warns Timothy that, you know what, the Christian life isn't necessarily going to be um, an easy life. It's not going to be uh, a piece of cake, if you will, as we might use that analogy in, in in humanity. We And we shouldn't expect the Christian life to be easy either, should we? Jesus' life was not easy. Jesus' life was difficult, yet he lived that life for you and I. And he died that death for you and I. The Christian, the, the, the one in the battle for Christ, should not be surprised if we see and receive the attacks of the wicked one. The Christian life really is warfare. So Paul tells Timothy, don't give up. Endure hardship. And, and the idea of endure there is no matter what. We've all seen movies of soldiers being interrogated and they refuse to give up the information that they're being interrogated about. So what do they do instead? They give what is the necessary name, rank, and serial number. When we're persecuted for the cause of Christ, what should we give? Jesus Christ loved me, died for me, loves you, died for you. Can I tell you about my Savior? Can I share with you the essential things that you need to know who Jesus is and endure the hardship if it comes our way? Again, not something that we're wanting to have happen to us, but something that we need to be prepared for. And how do we prepare? Well. Paul tells Timothy, in order to prepare to endure that hardship, you need to avoid entanglements. Paul also wants Timothy to keep his focus sharp. When a soldier looks through the rifle, you know what? He doesn't use iron sights that you might have on your gun at home. He has a tactical piece on his weapon that focuses the target. And he can shoot that target without missing if he uses the right optics. And he has those set the right way. Paul says, Timothy, you need to keep your focus sharp. You need to be looking through the right optic. And that's the optic of Jesus Christ. Be on guard. Because there are things that Satan will bring into your life to entangle you. And you know what? Sometimes you think of those entanglements as sinful things. Those entanglements are not necessarily sinful things. Entanglements are things that will make a soldier less effective in his duty. It's not, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's, it's not something that uh, you can't enjoy at other times in your life. But when you're in the theater, when you're in the, the, the field of service, your focus has to be 100% on what you're doing there. As a child of God, our focus has to be 100% on what God wants us to do. The phrase engaged in warfare means to be on a military expedition. And the word entangles, it means to inweave or even to be caught up in. He says, the affairs of this life. Don't get caught up in the affairs of this life. That phrase there, it has the idea of the pursuits and occupations of this life. Civilian life, if you will. Paul's telling Timothy, don't worry about the troubles of the world in which you live. Keep your focus on the service of the Lord. Blinders, if you will, that keep you focused Keep you looking in the right direction. And back to the idea of joy. If we're not wearing those blinders of serving Christ, you know what? We often get sidetracked. Pulled this way or pulled that way. Thinking about something that really doesn't matter in all of eternity. Paul tells Timothy, don't worry about the troubles of this world. Keep your focus on serving the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, as an enlisted soldier... Of the Most High God, we're not just. In fact, we're not. Most of us service serv- servants in the military of a country. We are soldiers in the army of the Most High God. Our goal is and our aim is to be the ple- to please the one who enlisted us. Hmm, sounds just like Jesus again, doesn't it? Remember when he told his disciples about the whitened harvest? He was getting ready to send them out into the harvest that was right and ready to be picked. He said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Our food, our desire in life should be to do the will of him who sent me and not get sidetracked on the things that don't really matter. You see, Paul warns young Timothy that he needs to be sure not to let the things of this world sidetrack him from the work of the Lord and from communicating the gospel of Jesus Christ to others. Memorial Day. It's a day to remember, it's a day to honor soldiers who have given their lives for the sake of others. We celebrate these men and women today, these American military heroes. We don't put them on a pedestal, but we remember them. We are thankful for them and what they gave so that we can enjoy our freedoms. But you know what? Today we're also celebrating our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Heaven's finest soldier, if you will. He's the one soldier that laid down his life to provide eternal life for those he has called to be part of his family. Soldiers have... Since the first battle, laid down their lives for others. But Jesus Christ is the only soldier who laid down his life to provide eternal, everlasting life in heaven with God. Our great Savior, the Son of God, humbled himself and willingly went to the cross. He died in our place. And he set an example for us to follow. All of us have the opportunity to follow the example of Jesus Christ, of humble servants and obedience to him and his word. So as we close this morning, let me me remind you, don't get off track with the things that weigh you down. Don't get entangled with the things that will knock you off course and keep you from being effective in the battle. Keep your focus where it should be on Jesus Christ. Know the joy that it comes from serving Him. Just like a soldier knows the joy of successfully completing a mission, you and I, we're on mission with God. And He has a, he has a job for us. He has a, he's called us to complete a task. And so we want to be effective in that task, in the battle for souls. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and we thank you again so much for our Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, what a great reminder from the pen of the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 2. A reminder that we are to keep our focus on the same things that Jesus focused on. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Jesus, the very Son of God, humbled himself died in our place, and now has commissioned us. He's enlisted us to be soldiers in his army. Help us to fight well. Help us to endure the hardships and help us not to become entangled in the affairs of this life. Thank you again for your word. Thank you for the reminder that we have in the pages of scripture to be like Christ. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen.